0: Hello and welcome to Wands and bronze the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon.
1: And I'm Nick.
0: And we're your co-hosts. So today, I'm talking about Bacopa, uh, which is an herb that I literally use every day. And Freyr.
1: Love, love, love. Um, so we're taking a little bit of a step back from Spooky Girl Autumn this time just this once just this just this one time um and today i'm giving you something that i feel like is very 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 libra season um the second installment of magical cats uh yeah so before we do that any of that though when did you feel the magic this week
0: yeah so this week one of the things that i wanted to like i guess touch on is plants because my hoya multiflora bloomed which i need to send you pictures of um but yesterday i was outside like watering my plants and i realized like i've known that hoyas notoriously create a lot of um nectar when they blossom but it's the first one i've had go into flower so i really experienced how much is a lot of nectar plot twist a lot um But while I was cleaning yesterday, I was just like, I'm going to give this a little taste because why not? And it was like so sweet and delicious. And I was like, look at me being a fucking fairy, drinking a little bit of the nectar. Drinking a little nectar. You know, I just like it very much made me feel like I was communing with Faye. It was nice.
1: (laughs) I will say that this morning... And I know I've done this before, I really do. But I'm not a morning person. I'm absolutely not a morning person. The only reason that I am a morning person today is because we are double recording this podcast that we make called Bonds and Fronds. And but I had to go out this morning and I had to get a little bit of caffeine just to just to get it going right. And when I tell you that it is finally to the point where it is like sixty degrees in the morning, Ooh, and I. Yeah as a texan, I'm living living for this. And actually, also I'm going to I'm it, it's going to be a bit of a combo because I'm also planning sort of like my post equinox camping trip, so like truly like the the first camping trip of fall, which is very exciting. We're going out to the piney woods, which is why we're recording two episodes today. But I've got all my little stuff and I kind of know what food I'm going to be bringing and as I I believe i said like two episodes ago uh i'm definitely gonna be making a little pine needle bazon while i'm out there because we are going to the the, the lost the lost pines in Bastrop.
0: it's gonna be so much fun
1: and i'm gonna try to get you a pine cone
0: Oh okay, while i'm I mean out there
1: I'm, gonna- I'm hoping i'm hoping that the trees are dropping pine cones because there is a bit of a window and you're gonna love this because the squirrels like the pine cones too and they just tear them up
0: fucking squirrels fucking
1: squirrels so it's like it is you know it's kind of like seashell hunting it's like
0: yeah i will forgive you if it's not possible are you are
1: am i gonna get good pine cones am i not gonna get good pine cones find out in the next exciting installment
0: (laughs) well i'm i'm really excited about this episode too because it's been a minute since we covered something that like i use seriously on the daily like I was so surprised that I hadn't already talked about bacopa that I kept like checking our episode listing. Cause I was like, there's no way we're on episode 99. And I haven't talked about an herb that I use every single day, but here we are. Um, I use a bacopa tincture and my morning coffee or tea beverage. And it's like super, super good for you, but we'll get into that in a minute. So let's start with the basics. We're talking about Bacopa monnieri also known, known as just bacopa water hyssop herb of grace indian pennywort thyme leafed gradiola or brahmi and there are other species of plants that are sometimes referred to as brahmi like namely gotu kola which i also happen to use in my like daily herb blends but i've seen bacopa referred to as brahmi pretty frequently in herb shops we'll talk about like the ayurvedic and like Eastern medicine ties to, uh, to Brahmi and Bacopa as well. So just be sure though, that like, if you're just in an herb shop and you see something that's just called Brahmi, make sure you know whether it's Bacopa or Gotu Kola. So anyway, uh, it is native to India and Sri Lanka. And it's a member of the Plantagenaceae family, which, you know, sounds like plants because it's like Plantagenaceae, but it's actually the Plantain family. So fun facts, that kind of gives you a hint about how it grows. So it's a creeper, it's a creeping plant, well, but it grows I, in... I,
1: I just want to jump in here and say that I did not think of Plantains. I thought of the Plantagenets, the like aristocratic family that ruled in England for a while.
0: Well, here we are. We're all thinking about different things. Um, I feel like that it says a lot about you, what you immediately thought of when you heard Plantagenaceae. So uh let us know. What did you think of? (laughs) Um, so like most creepers, it like it roots super easily at the nodes, but this is a plant that grows in marshy, wet areas, like other plantains. And it has these like really small, fleshy leaves. They're almost like succulent leaves. And they're kind of like oblong. And it has like small flowers that have four or five petals. They're like white or really pale purple. And then it produces like a fuck ton of tiny little seeds. But like the way to grow this, like just get a cutting or a start of it because it, it'll creep. And it does love marshes. So if you're one of those people that keeps giving your plants root rot because you just love to water stuff, this might be a good one for you. Um, it does sequester contaminants and heavy metals from the water though. So if you're going to buy it, you need to go organic. It's like one of those things where like, plants are really great for cleaning water sources because of that, but plants that are really good at cleaning things, you have to be careful if you're planning to eat them because you don't necessarily want to eat the things they're cleaning out of the water. So uh, but Bacopa has a super long standing standing tradition in Ayurvedic practices. And so the first written descriptions we have are from like Ayurvedic texts, namely from like the sixth century. And this is where they refer to Bacopa as Brahmi because it's associated with Brahma. So Brahma is the creator god in the Hindu pantheon. And the name literally means bringing knowledge of the supreme reality. And it's like, how cool is that? right, i I just love that name. So if you want to grow it, it's really easy to grow. Like again, if you like watering plants, this is the one to go for it likes wet and warm. So you can either like grow it in a shady place and keep the soil super more moist, or if you have a water feature, if you're one of those people who has a koi pond, you could grow this around like the edges of your water feature. But be careful because it can become invasive if it gets out. So just like be wary, but you can harvest the aerial parts, um, regardless of whether or not it's flowering, but, um, it's like super, 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 super bitter. I cannot like stress enough. Uh, if you're wanting to use it, like you're going to need to make a tincture or capsules because like, As an herbalist, I think all herbalists are like, oh, you know, everyone says that's so bitter, but it's fine. I can drink it, whatever. I drink funky plant stuff. I literally could not finish the tea that I made with this plant, um, which is why I made it into a tincture. There are only like a handful of plants that I will only use in tincture form (laughs) like this and motherwort are way up there. Um, but on that note, like, let's talk about medicinal uses. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about how to grow it. It likes it to be wet and it likes to crawl around on the ground. Like you can grow it or you can't. Um, but you know, I, I already kind of mentioned like with the name, with Bacoba and Brahmi, like it comes like from the name for Brahma and the Hindu pantheon. So let's like talk about some medicinal uses, right? Because this is a big deal in Ayurveda. Um, disclaimer. I'm not a doctor Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please always talk to your doctor before starting an herbal regimen. Um, so this plant, it's a hell of a brain tonic. So in Ayurveda, it's classified as a Medhya rasayana. Um, so rasayana is what they refer to restorative substances as. So um, rasayanas help support like rejuvenation, longevity. They have that like tonic quality about them. And medhya refers to a plant that's used to promote things like memory, intellect, good mental health. And so that's where this one shines, right? So it's a nervine tonic that both energizes your nervous system, but also your heart. So it helps uh, improve mental performance. Like some of the speculations around how it works is actually by increasing brain, like uh, blood flow, Your cerebral cortex. So it does have like that tonic effect though, right? So like it builds up over time and that lends it like some uh, adaptogenic and also antidepressant properties. So it's really like, this is a plant that is so good for your mind. There's also been some like research that early on it has so far indicated that Bacopa might also be neuroprotective, which is like a huge deal right so that can help support your mental function um and kind of like stave off some of that mental decline that we see as we age so kind Um, of
1: kind of filling the niche of uh and I know I've mentioned this before but like you know how everyone was obsessed with like ginkgo in the 90s
0: yes it's just like except for this is one that Ayurveda has been using forever
1: forever yeah
0: which is great. Um, so i I do love that. And the most benefits, like, like with a lot of tonics, right? the the biggest benefits you're gonna see if you use it for a long time, which again is why I use it every day. But there have been some like early studies that are showing, like it's really preliminary evidence that shows that short term use could also have benefits. Um, but, The other thing, and Nick, I had to put this in there for you, is there was a study that showed the Bacopa extract could be helpful for people with ADHD. And it can help without those other like really shitty side effects you can get from other ADHD meds. So they did it like, they did it in children, but there's no reason it doesn't, it
1: Yeah, because I mean, it's not like it really goes away. And I think anyone who's ever talked to me for longer than like two or three minutes knows that I... I'm absolutely still the ADHD kid at heart. But yeah,
0: I just was, like, really thinking about you with Bacopa, too. Because, like, I take it every day, but I was, like, you know, knowing about your familial history, thinking about that neuroprotectivity of, like, your mm-hmm. mental, like, faculties, also for ADHD, also anti-anxiety and antidepressant as we're moving into your, like, seasonal depression season. Oh, yeah, like, no,
1: I recently saw that almost a year ago uh or or a little more than a year ago now but um I did this tweet speaking of seasonal depression and you know whatever I'll plug my Twitter on here but I did this funny tweet that was absolutely 100% true that I had uh that I had a magic mushroom for dinner with the melt ice from my glass of chilled rosé and I'm like that is my gay boy seasonal depression i'm like i'm like not eating i'm like doing drugs i'm i'm just really upset that it's dark all the time and uh yeah it's coming it's, it's yeah coming. it's so coming
0: bacopa, so bacopa, i'm like
1: i will actually say the other herb that you that I decided to take because you did a segment on the podcast about it has actually been very, very good for my anxiety. So maybe that will be a positive change.
0: For yeah. This... Are you talking about ashwagandha?
1: The ashwagandha. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah, I too take ashwagandha every day,
1: and I, I, I love it. I, lo- it's like the perfect thing for the little work, the work anxiety, and also for some reason I feel like and we are on such a random side quest here but i'm going to finish my thought because i do i do think it's like good information to be like i've been on this for like over 2 months now and i feel like the thing is i don't get as much of like a blood sugar crash when i yeah. take the ashwagandha and i don't know if that's because it forces me to eat something for lunch instead of going to work and stuff on an empty stomach Um, or if it's, like, the actual ashwagandha itself, but, like, not having, like, a blood sugar crash and, like, eating is actually so important for your mental health, so.
0: It is, and ashwagandha is, like, a really good adaptogen because it's, like, I think that we live in a culture that kind of, um, a lot of people will kind of, like, a almost abuse adaptogens right because they'll be like well I could just take a bunch of adaptogens and not change my stress levels and then it's fine it's like a hack and it's like no that's not what they're meant to do (laughs) they're meant to help smooth things over so you can be more resilient but you do have to like it's a yes and you also have to make changes but I I do take ashwagandha every day because I have um I have notoriously bad anxiety shocking to no one as a Virgo (laughs) but like I used to have really crazy panic attacks all the time. And like I am also on traditional pharmaceutical medications, but I do take things like bacopa and ashwagandha as well that don't necessarily interact with what I have um because again, this is a yes and podcast. Pharmaceuticals have kept me from literally becoming like unable to function with my mental illness, but things like bacopa and ashwagandha give me a like better quality of life on top of those things. And that's like kind of how I think about it personally. It's like, I use pharmaceuticals as kind of like the, this is like what allows me to keep living. And then I like kind of mediate using plants and magic and things like that, because I love magic. I love herbalism. I am also bipolar (laughs) and those are things that are, very tricky. So it's like science and magic. Anyway. Um, but COPA though. So I also like that there's like some more studies going into it because it does do the things like increasing like brain flow. And it helps a lot with like your, um, the way that your neurons fire. They've done some early clinical trials that are like ongoing um, that are kind of pointing to the fact that it could also be anticonvulsive. convulsive which is really helpful because anyone who has to take anticonvulsant medications also knows there's like there can be some really rough side effects of anticonvulsant meds like namely things like intense brain fog and fatigue that can make it really hard to like function um and bacopa doesn't really have those side effects like bacopa can make some people a little tired my theory is that the people that get a little tired with it are the same people like Nick, who take ADHD meds, and it actually like chills them out. Like people that have those overactive brains, when it kind of like slows down. So it's, down it's like a if you're pace.
1: used to the engine firing on like all like twelve cylinders or whatever, it's like you know when it's at like a normal. It's like where it needs to be. Because actually, that's the thing. It is it is so tiring to think as many thoughts as people with um, ADHD do. And, yeah. Um,
0: So Bacopa, Bacopa. Bacopa. Um, It's also like, it, it, and sometimes they'll use it, like it has other uses as well. I'm really focusing on like the mental health and mental wellness, because I do think that, especially in the US, like rapid mental decline is such a problem that we have with older adults here. And that's the result of a lot of stuff, like including like diet, uh, lifestyle stuff not blaming people for it. This is a cultural problem we've created where people have to like work at desks until they're fucking 80. Um, but things like Bacopa, I think can help balance out some of the things that are like outside of our control. Right. But the other things that it's used for is, um, it, it's like, a it has to do with the way it interacts with your calcium channels, but it can help with IBS, uh, C. So if you have like some like periodic constipation. It can have like those like gentle laxative properties, but they're not so intense that someone with like IBSD can't take it. It's like, it's a really gentle moistening kind of moving bitter. Um, I would say that if you want to take Bacopa It is very cooling. So if you're someone that tends to run cold, you should balance it out with some warming herbs. Like, I think this would be a good one for someone like you, Nick, who I think in the winter you run a little cold, you do get hot in the summer, but I feel like you tend to run a little cool in the winter, that like seasonal depression, things feel sluggish. I think like a bacopa with a ginger, would be like a good way to balance that out so like a ginger tea with some bacopa tincture in it I think would be really helpful for you
1: and you know I do I do get into ginger in the winter time
0: yeah and it makes sense it's like because it's warming it's a little energizing and I know that you're someone who's like really affected by that like seasonal shift which is like lots of people are no like judgment. it's
1: it's and and also it's like daylight savings or like um whatever does not does not help at all it's like no. I dread it I dread it every year
0: yeah
1: um but yeah I'm I I I think that's also it's just like a ginger tea is nice so like anything yeah you can...
0: my god it's like a ginger cardamom tea every day of the week like fresh every... cardamom pods like fresh cardamom pods, like you can just chew on them like gum. (laughs) Like they're so good for your breath. It's actually, it's,
1: it is nice. It is nice.
0: It's really nice. Um, so let's like talk about magic though. Like it has these cute little flowers. We know that you can harvest it, like the leaves, whether or not it's in flower, but I think this is a good choice for a flower essence. So when we think about things that are like tonic, have long-term like balancing of the body, I think number one, this is an excellent choice for Libra season when we're thinking about balance, because when does Libra season begin? Fall equinox, right? So Libra is like the scales. I think that Bacopa is good for this season. Um, But the, the flower essences are supposed to help like with like the joie de vivre is the way I've seen it described, right? Like how to get you into like that sense of like a joy for life, being excited to go, a perfect addition. Like a Bacopa flower essence is a great addition to like an energizing bath in the winter time. And it does have like really strong ties to the brain, also to creation. When we're thinking about that like supreme knowledge tie-in to Brahma, I think that it makes sense to use this for things like astral projection, tapping into the collective conscience, doing that type of like meditation work. I think that Bacopa is a good choice here. You can add it to teas. You can use the flower essence.
1: And it's like, when I'm hearing that, I'm just like, this would be so good for for someone that's into, like, art or any kind of, like, creativity.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, drink some Bacopa tea. Get into that creative space. Like, I love that. For me, I was, of course, my fucking Pisces moon is, like, put it in a bath and, like, meditate and do your, like, channeling in the bath with it. because it is that, like kind of like tapping you into like source energy, which I think is really beautiful. Um, and because it does help balance the body, I think it's also good for magic related to like finding balance, right? So, in a very personal sense, if you're someone who started a new job and suddenly you're in the office five days a week and you're trying to manage to find like balance again, it's like this is a great ally for that type of work. And again, balance Libra season I love the idea of like a very like the Libra new moon is like tonight or tomorrow which I love when the new moon happens so close to the beginning of the season something about that feels so like delicious I I, love the idea I feel like
1: I feel like that's the way it's supposed to be lined up and just because it's like the um sort of like Gregorian calendar has like no quote-unquote religious significance like with the astrology of it it's like been allowed to just drift those couple of days in each direction but it's like truly it's like this is one of those years where it's like yeah the the moon should line up with the month like months come from moons like well yeah
0: and like we know tomorrow's rosh hashanah so it's like the jewish new year which is based on the lunar calendar um happy late rosh hashanah because this is going to come out way after that this is going to come out yeah Blessed late Yom Kippur, which is on August or on October 5th. So I think this will come out right after Yom Kippur. Uh, Blessed Yom Kippur. Happy Rosh Hashanah to all of our Jew witches out there. Um, But anyway, I think that like using Bacopa tincture in like magical tea rituals is probably the best way to use it. And then like, you can thank me for becoming an elephant and never forgetting. You're welcome in advance. Seriously, like, obviously talk to your doctor, but this is one that I'm like, I really, really recommend that you talk to your doctor and try it if it's a good fit for you, just because like, all of us could use a little bit of help in the brain department. So um, my sources today were primarily Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies by Maria Noel Groves and the Herbarium. And also, again, I drink it every day. So that's one of my other primary sources. (laughs) Me. Me,
1: um, okay. So second part of the cats installment. And I thought a kind of fun way to just like dip our toes into this, would just be to do like a little check-in from the ones and Franz cats. So, um, how are you how are your cats doing?
0: Oh my God. Hex is like he's two now. Hex turned two last week. He's a grown ass man. Um, he has also kind of come into his own personality a lot more which I feel like happens around two for cats and what a fucking silly weirdo he has become and it makes me so happy like he's so playful and still so affectionate and I've just really loved the kind of like cat that he's grown into. I've had like a bit of a proud mommy moment because I'm like, I just scoop him up and squeeze him and love him. And he is just a perfect little gem. He fucks shit up all the time. And in a way that I think is just so beautiful. I love that little monster. Um, and Samson's just old and crotchety. He bit me on the calf the other morning. Cause I didn't feed him fast enough. So, you oh know, that's gosh. like, that's having like a 14, 15 year old cat is like, I am just trying my best to like be patient with him because he's so sweet but he has just gotten so crotchety and it's like
1: the same thing I mean it's like seen it happen before yeah uh, and, and it's it's you know it's like that's a long life for them so
0: it's a really long life for them and I'm just I remind myself like I think anyone with senior pets can relate to this like sometimes you get annoyed because like we're people, we have things to do. But when I get mad and like get frustrated with him, I just remind myself that like, I might not have him a year from now. So I'm like, I'm just gonna like, enjoy it even when he's being an asshole. Because unfortunately, sooner rather than later, I probably won't have the option to enjoy that so I'm trying to just like lean into him being a crotchety old man and it is pretty funny like he's a bastard he's a he's still a sweetheart but he does get in these moods where he's just like real bitchy well, and no, you just have and, to laugh
1: And am just like you know I saw a little bit of that um when I was there where it's like at night It was so funny because he would want to be cuddling with me as, like, in the guest slash cat room. It makes sense. It makes sense. And I have cats of my own. So, like, I am not mad about having a little kitty companion to to sleep with. But, um, But it's like if you, like, rolled over the wrong way and, like, disturbed him, he would do, like, a little...
0: Yeah, he's so grumpy. And it's
1: like, okay, like, you actually, you do need to chill because, um.
0: I'm the human here.
1: Because I'm, I'm the person here. And what I will say with that, too, is, you know, it's like Oliver is like, mm, I don't know, like 12, 13, has all of his teeth out. And what. I'm not quite in that that boat with his like behavior because he does still seem to just be like permanently rolling kitty.
0: He is a sweetie,
1: but um, no, I do think I finally like settled on a food that's gonna be working for him because he he does really like it and he like is very like vigorously eating again, which oh um, good, you know. and you know it's just like it's just like nice to see him acting more normal although someone pissed in my laundry hamper i feel like it was i feel like it was probably him
0: probably i mean we had to straight up throw away the rug from the guest room after you left because we found out that like every time we would clean it samson would go back and pee and when we took it up i had to like scrub the wood floors under these fun thing about old cats people they just decide to start pissing wherever they want at a certain point apparently Everyone I know with old cats has had that experience. So we no longer have a rug in the guest room anymore, which has helped because he won't pee on the wood floor, but he was like literally just every time we would clean it, he would immediately go pee on it again. Um, Yay. Which is, I mean,
1: but you know, it's like, I had that issue with Cousteau. And so it's like, I do kind of already, I'm already like paranoid about it to the point that like, I try not to have stuff on the floor and like my closet is a mess. Because it's like anything that could be peed on it eventually ends up in the closet,
0: yeah, and it's like you know we also like we don't have bath mats for that reason. We don't have little area like we don't have little rugs, but until pretty recently, giant area rugs had been safe, but that right. is not the case right. anymore,
1: but no so. fade. Speaking of two-year-olds, Faye turns two on Saturday, which I will be on my camping trip, but she is a cat, and I do not think that she is going to mind very much if she um gets her birthday tuna a little late this year.
0: I don't, I don't think she'll notice. <laughs> I don't think
1: she'll notice. No, well, I mean, and it's like, that does mean I have to have, like, tuna mac for dinner one night, because obviously I'm not going to give them a whole can of people tuna, but it's like, it's your birthday. Here is one big bite of people tuna um and yeah you know what sue me all right that's they love it's
0: their birthday once a year it's not gonna hurt them i mean do you remember someone gave ivan who was it someone gave ivan tuna one time when we lived together and then after that we couldn't fucking open a can in that house because he would hear the can opening noise and freak the fuck out thinking he was about to get tuna
1: also i mean because of our age we did eat an abominable amount of canned tuna at that time
0: yeah we because were I'm sorry
1: I'm sorry one of the best cheap dinners is just like box mac and cheese with tuna
0: yeah because it fills you up
1: because it fills you up and it tastes like tuna let's move on uh because oh actually I do just want to say I've always identified as a cat uh yeah. a little bit a little bit I feel like I have a cat uh cat-ish personality um I will also say that like I have this pet theory that Portuguese is a language that sounds like a language that was made up by cats, and the other day oh. someone was because I that's to me like I cannot explain it. Spanish does not sound like a language that was made up by cats. French sometimes does. I think it's all the j noises. Yeah. Portuguese has a lot of j noises, and French has a lot of j noises. Um. And something about that is like if a cat could talk, I feel like they would use a lot of z noises. Uh, and for some re- but for some reason, okay. And I feel like theory partially confirmed because, as you know, Faye and Oliver both follow me out onto the patio a lot. And the other night, Faye was outside. I was actually doing some of the research for this segment and um i heard someone having a very loud conversation in what i immediately recognize as portuguese now why do i recognize portuguese so instantaneously it's because like a lot of the music i listen to is actually portuguese language music i don't speak portuguese i don't know what they're saying but i just recognize the cadences of it because i love bossa nova music so much so um all of that to say faye was like freaking out hearing this guy speak portuguese and it was like like, it triggered oh, she
0: knows she it's knows. like it
1: triggered something and i feel like she understood exactly what he was saying because feel like can um,
0: you translate for me faye please
1: because cats speak portuguese um but okay so um we're looking at some magical cats this week rather than just focusing on cats as familiars which is kind of more what we did with cats part 1 Um, Some of this is just going to be fun cat facts and folklore um, that don't necessarily have to do with magic, but have a lot to do with cats. And for all of you who are maybe emerging from a cave and relearning language through the use of podcasts, like, welcome to the future. And also, um, cats, right? Like, I don't know if you know about cats, But cats were domesticated around 12,000 years ago in Egypt. And we know this because you can still find the wild Felis caddis in the deserts of northern Africa. But obviously in Egypt, the story goes a lot deeper than just cats being there to do pest control on the granaries. Um, These were sort of beloved creatures and symbols of the nation. And these religious figures with their own goddess and funeral rites and all of that. So I figured, like, where else to start in the world of cat folklore and superstition than here. And I think we all know and love Bast, the cat-headed fertility goddess slash protectress of the royal families. Um, But did you know that one of the main religious festivals to Bast was having giant orgies? and That's we we, hot. we love any time a deity's vibe is giant orgies, but also in ancient Egypt, killing a cat even accidentally did carry the death penalty. And this was witnessed firsthand by some visiting Romans. And by all accounts, it was an accident. But rules are rules.
0: Bring it back.
1: And so the people. Egyptian people so this is like a sort of like a merchant core kind of a guy um basically he's there to do do trade and you know there's anywho he's not like a military guy he's 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 a Roman guy he's there right and he accidentally kills this cat and the Egyptian people um they literally drag this like Roman merchant out into the street and beat him to death uh because he killed a cat um and then the romans that were with him were like oh shit like please uh, like y'all that are gonna come visit be careful this is what they do when people accidentally kill a cat in egypt and also i mean think of like the political implications of like killing a roman citizen like it could have con very badly for them but they really they literally were that adamant that like no if you kill a cat we're gonna kill you eye for an eye
0: yeah a, I mean a life for fair. a
1: life a life for a life um okay but the other thing I'm bringing from Egypt is something that I found to be, like equal parts sweet and kind of funny but um if an Egyptian family's cat died and again hopefully of natural causes or else, The whole family would go into a period of official mourning as though, like, a person in their family had died. So this included a whole burial, mummification, funeral situation. But the funny part is that the whole family would shave their eyebrows as part of the mourning process of the the family cat.
0: we got a bunch Um, of Matt Smith-looking motherfuckers running
1: around. uh, Truly, because I think everyone should just take a moment and savor the image, because I think people without eyebrows are objectively funny-looking. It's something in
0: our lizard brain that says that's not quite right.
1: That's not quite right. Uh, But we do got to keep it moving. So the next fun cat fact comes to us from Greece, where, interestingly enough, it was Artemis who was syncretized with bast and took on cats as a symbol. So the thing with that though was that these were mostly wild type cats because Southern Europe was just not that into cats. Full stop. Um, ancient Greeks and Romans actually preferred to use weasels as pest control. And actually, it does make some sense when you factor in how xenophobic most people usually are like every civilization has had its moment of xenophobia and so i think maybe to the greeks and romans something as egyptian brand as cats would be seen as like foreign and therefore slightly unsavory and like the greeks and romans did have these like trading relationships with egypt whereas like the celts and the uh scandinavians did not so what we do have from classical antiquity is a lot of evidence of Scandinavian and Germanic and even Celtic peoples in the ancient world having and loving cats, so much so that they even had lore and mystic symbolism around cats. So um, we're going to zero in a little bit on Beigel and Tregal. And these are some of the most famous cats in mythology because they're the giant cats that pull freya's chariot to go into battle with her and and go into battle with her so the story goes and actually those names were made up um by a fiction author again we don't actually get a lot of information from the poetic and prose eddas because we have like a single source about norse mythology written by a guy in the 11th century who was already christian and yeah but giant gray cats what they might call um blue like a russian blue but i think you know i don't like to say blue because it really is that's i mean they're giant cats that pull a chariot but they're not like blue like that's just they used to call dark sable gray blue um and all of that to say um they were gifts from thor all right they were gifts from thor And they're so large and in charge because they come from the world of the ice giants where all the creatures are like giant proportions. It's like a giant, it's like a whole giant world, you know, it's like the top of the beanstalk in ice giant world. So like the cats are like the size of horses and like the horses are like the size of houses and, you know, it's everything is scaled up. Everything's scaled up. So these are like, they're troll cats. Um, and the superstition surrounding these cats, though, was that a farmer would leave offerings for them, either as a way to distract them from their tasty livestock. Uh, giant cats would be terrifying predators of livestock, if you really think about it. Uh, and you're just like thinking that you are, that they're real and just wandering around, pulling a lady in a chariot. Um, yeah, they they would be terrifying predators like chupacapra style killing all the all the livestock unless you leave something out for them and then it's kind of like or maybe it's more of a bribe for protection kind of a scheme like a like a mafia bribe where it's like anywho so um you leave them gifts and and, and they might scare away the wolves for you even so that's kind of nice um And of course, we do like at least have to briefly mention the cat she comes to us from the Celtic world like the it's either like a weird giant cat or like a cat person sometimes and but also, you know, like the Celts and especially people in Ireland, um, do have a long history of keeping cats as pets. Uh, I mean, obviously they have jobs, they're like pets with jobs anything beyond that in the the medieval and classical world i mean that's that's a that's a luxury you know but there's a lot there's a lot of really cute stories especially from like monasteries about just like the you know the local cats and um but there's also these sort of references in other mythology and folklore from britain about tribes of cat people um that live somewhere in the north perhaps on an island so like one of the original names for the shetland islands which is like the ones that are like way up above scotland even um was like the i like it was it's a celtic word you know it's like all g's and h's but it basically means um Island of cat people. There's also like a town called Catness, which means like um cat tribe or something like that. Uh, and basically there's all these stories though that there was like a tribe of cat people that lived somewhere in the north of Britain. Um, and I that they're like referenced in passing, but I'm like I'm interested. I want to hear the backstory on that. Um, I tried, I tried, I tried. I really tried. And I can't find anything other than that, uh, the linguistics of it, and also, like, mentions in other stories of the cat people that lived up north. So, the cat people that lived up north.
0: If anyone has any leads on resources, hit us up.
1: But also, you know, I do love the incomplete mythology, though, because your imagination really runs away with you. And I'm a huge Studio Ghibli guy. So, like, I'm just imagining, like, the cat world from The Cat Returns for, like, the the cat people that live up north. Like, you know, like, they have houses that are kind of, like, scaled to their size. And, like, you know, little carts and little roads and um, little, little clothes with holes in them for the tails. And, um, but, yeah, The Cat Returns, underrated Studio Ghibli movie, I would say. But um, I do absolutely have to move on because I wanted to talk about some Asian cat lore. Um, But before I do, one last thing from Europe, just because it's bonkers and it did come up when I was, you know, reading about cat folklore. So there is an Italian folktale that on the night that the Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus, a virgin cat in Bethlehem gave birth to cat Jesus. And that's, like, the entirety of the story. Um, It doesn't go on to to say, like, sort of what the deal is with Cat Jesus or, like, are cats cats Christian because they have Cat Jesus? Like, do cats go to heaven because of Cat Jesus? Is it, like, a similar deal as, like, the whole, like, Christian, you know, it's, like, everyone's absolved of their sins if they accept Jesus, uh, whatever, blah, blah, blah so, do cat do do cats uh, get saved? All
0: I'm the, saying is cat Jesus supremacy forever,
1: Cat Jesus supremacy forever. Also, you definitely do not learn about cat Jesus and veggie Tales. So you know, um i I think I think the the stories of Cat Jesus would have helped my attention more than veggie tales as far as like propaganda tools like.
0: we'd probably be christians if cat jesus was a more common thing
1: right but no instead they were like here's a singing broccoli that's very annoying is this working is this making you a christian
0: not even a little
1: (laughs) not even not even one bit um but yes cat jesus um sure so you guys where cats what cats uh, are a truly ancient idea found in indigenous African religion and folklore, um, but it really caught on in India and Indonesia where there's, like, a whole codified folklore surrounding where tigers and were-leopards. And I think some of the interesting highlights here are that they don't necessarily want to, like, harm or kill. Um, some of these where, Big cats like wear tigers, wear leopards, might even take on a protective role over the local livestock. Um, You know, it's a local citizen. They're just doing the best with what they have. And what they have is turning into a tiger under the full moon. So, um, you know, but also, so this version of like the wear curse, I do think is interesting. Um, It spreads through inheritance. So you get it by having a were-tiger parent, um, not getting, like, attacked by a, by a were-tiger. Um,
0: That's a much more polite way to become a were-creature.
1: So it's like a family curse, though. Um, so it, like, You passes. say
0: curse, I say I get to turn into a tiger. Or a leopard. Or a leopard, think... you're right.
1: Or a leopard, which, I mean... I think that's kind of cooler than even like a, like a just normal werewolf. So. You're
0: right. You're right.
1: Um, but were tiger, also cool. Also pretty cool. Um, but yeah, were cats actually have more of a foothold in really ancient folklore than werewolves have any claim to. Like werewolves are a relatively recent invention. Were cats and like cat spirits taking over uh sort of human vessels really goes all the way back to like the the origins of humanity even so kind of cool kind of cool and i just really don't think i could talk about sort of like cats and the supernatural without like really looking at japan because that's there's a lot of really cool cat lore in japan and so as some of you guys know, I recently traveled to Mexico and LA. We did the live episode. It was great. Blah, blah, blah. Um, But I was actually supposed to be going to Japan, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So what I had done to keep some of the vibe was that I brought this book of Japanese folk tales as one of my travel reads and Japan does have some really cool cat folklore. So um, I will be talking about a couple of these. Today, first up is the Meneki um, Niko, or the beckoning cat. Now, I'll be the first to admit to being a dumb American and thinking that these are cool and aesthetic and not really thinking they have much meaning besides like beckoning luck. And the actual story is pretty involved and it's not it's not quite that simple. Um, So the story is, there was once an old monk who was a caretaker at the Gotokuji Temple in Tokyo. And even though he was very poor, he shared a little bit of his food every day with the local street cat. And one day, it came to pass that a samurai was in the area, and this really big, great rainstorm comes. And so the samurai is sheltering under a tree near the temple. And in the doorway of the Gotokuchi Temple, he sees the street cat doing the strangest thing. There can be no mistake that the cat is beckoning him with his paw. Like, come over here, Samurai Man. And obviously, if you see a cat beckoning you in such a in such a way with such a human gesture, this sort of like, come over here, you know, um, you do it right? So he crosses the little square and right as he gets to the temple, a huge bolt of lightning strikes the tree where he was sheltering and it's like vaporized and almost certainly he would have been Kentucky Fried if not for the beckoning cat. So it turns out that the samurai was very rich. And he started tithing to the temple for the rest of his life, making the temple very prosperous in the process. And, of course, this meant that the cat lived out its final years in luxury and got a proper burial in the temple. And it turns out, of course, that the temple is real and it's still there because Japan does like to keep their old stuff. Um... And it's uh, really just like decked out with like the small sort of decorative versions of the beckoning cat. And some people leave one there for good luck, you know, kind of the story is that the good luck is that, you know, the cat um, is taking you, is sort of drawing you away from the bad luck. It's not just beckoning good luck. in. it's also like sort of steering you away from bad luck and there's a lot of lore in china and japan and korea about like luck and how to attract it and how to get rid of bad luck and so these sort of like luck cats are very um important kind of like ceremonial magic that these these people do
0: and i have to say i think there's something like much more benevolent about pulling you away from bad luck because how many times do wish stories go wrong? Like getting the good stuff often ends up like not being exactly what you thought it was. But this is just keeping you from fucking dying, which is and, like
1: right. And it's it's really it's like that's totally the theme of three thousand years of longing,
0: which we just went and saw yesterday.
1: Oh, that's incredible! That's incredible. I saw it like two weeks ago. I loved it personally. Big
0: same. Big same. I
1: I I thought it was great. No notes. Um. I, people ruin movies, but we do have to go on. We do have to go on. Um, And then there's the Baka Niko and the Nikomata. So obviously if you are not catching on, Niko means cat in Japanese. Um, That's why everything involving cats in Japanese folklore is Niko something. Um, Okay. So there's a lot of lore about what happens to cats when they age in Japan. And there is this belief that the older a cat gets, the longer its tail gets, and then that the long tail gives the cat evil powers. And so cats with too long of tails get the bob treatment, which sort of leads to this unnatural selection, ultimately resulting, they think, in the uh, Japanese bobtail. So a lot of the cats in Japan, because they've been sort of selectively bred for so long um, now are just born with bobtails instead of getting them cut off. Um, so, you know, good for, good for them because I'm sure that's not very, very nice uh, to get your, get your tail cut off. Um, but basically the idea was that if you kept a cat for too long and let its tail get too long in the process, um, it would turn into a demon and possibly kill you. Um, and so I do think the base idea is cool, though, that, like, a cat reaches a certain age and starts walking and talking and dressing like a human. And the folklore around these and Nico is mixed um, with them sometimes being, like, blessing their humans, right, for taking care of them so well, you know, it's like, or getting revenge, and I think it's it kind of seems like with the stories, like the moral of these Bakaniko creatures uh, really is that you should um, take care of your take care of your cats. Um, and then that way, if they do turn into a demon, they won't turn around and attack you. Um, but also it's like I had sent you those pictures of all the all the. All the old japanese um art of the cats dressed up as people so those are Bakeneko, which is a spirit that they believed if the cat got old enough it would start walking and talking like a human
0: yeah uh, guys nick and i got to exchange a lot of japanese cat art today because uh we both love japanese cat art
1: yeah and it's really like my favorite thing when I went to LACMA when you worked there was the uh, Japanese art pavilion and I there are some old ass paintings of cats and I love that that's a thing um
0: yeah black cat with tomato plant is probably my fave
1: truly 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 um so there's also this thing called the nikomata which it's I, and I, I I mean this, and, and I'm, I hope I'm not coming across as like so, so, so culturally insensitive, but it's like a Pokemon. There's like a second evolution. So the Bakkeniko is like your cat got really old, and now it's kind of like a cat person. Um, but then there's the Nikomata. And this demon cat has become so powerful that it grows a second tail. And um, can start generating fireballs.
0: I mean, this does sound like a Pokemon.
1: It does kind of sound like a Pokemon. But these cats, the Nikomata, are often blamed as the culprit for large fires. And, uh, you know, um, in a country where the traditional building materials are, um, rice, paper, and like balsa wood... There's a lot of very devastating fires in Japanese history. And so they're sort of um, attributed, some of them, to these Nikomata. And Nikomata, always evil. The Fakaniko are kind of like, I feel like they're almost, speaking of 3,000 years longing, have this kind of like neutral jinn kind of quality. Like, I think all cats kind of have that, where it's like they could take you or leave you. It's like, are they good? Are they evil?
0: Yeah, most of them are a true neutral, I think.
1: It's like it's true neutral, but the Nikomata—it's that's that second tail, because the tail is where cats keep their evil. And so when Abakiniko becomes so evil and powerful, it grows a second tail because it's it's run out of room for all of its evil, and it has to grow a second tail. And it's now tw- it's twice as evil now, twice as much room for evil. It's like opening up a slot you know, for like a graphics card or something in a computer.
0: It's an evil expansion.
1: It's an evil expansion. That's right. That's right. Um, But that's really all I had for Cats Part 2. I'm sure there will be a Cats Part 3 because the thing is, this is like the more you kind of dive into folklore, especially around witchcraft, it's like cats are going to come up.
0: Yeah. They're kind of
1: a big deal. They're kind of a big deal. So it's like, stay tuned for Cats Part 3 um maybe one maybe that one will be a musical like cats 3
0: rum tum tugger is going to make an appearance
1: uh truly <laughs>
0: okay well today you know we already mentioned freya and her like chariot pulled by cats but today i'm talking about freyr so aka ingvi the male counterpart to his sister freya
1: they really they really made they were they really I, tried I, on that
0: name, I, huh? No,
1: it's like when you think, do you do you know any like male-female twins? Yes. It's like Kyle and Kyla.
0: Yeah. Or something like that. Them. Cody and Cambria were always interesting to me. Anyway. Um, okay, so Freyr is the ruler of peace, fertility, rain, and sunshine. But the fertility here is like. Pretty literal in a lot of depictions. Um, he's a giant dong god. Like a lot of times there is a big ass phallus in the prayer depictions. Oh yeah. Um, he is a Vainir, but uh he's considered an honorary member of the Aesir because he was brought into their fortress at the end of the Aesir Vainier War and like he made buddies. So he's like. An honorary Aesir, which is kind of a big deal. Um, and one kinda old North sounds pro-
1: like he's a, a Benedict Arnold.
0: I mean, well, he got captured at the end of the war and it was just like, well, if I'm here, it's like he's either a Benedict Arnold or, he or he's has... got
1: such bad Stockholm syndrome.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but he basically gets to like become an old god honorarily, which is kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So one old Norse poem calls him, and I quote, "the foremost of the gods," and say he was hated by none, which is a totally nice and normal opinion, and is probably not at all related to the fact that entire like entire cultures' survival depend on the benevolence of Freyr because of fertility, rain, and sunshine. But basically, it's like Freyr is up there with Balder on how beloved. He is. So his father is Njord, the god of the wind and sea, and his mother is Njord's sister, because gods. Uh, but Freya and Freya were also said to have been lovers for a minute. So there's that. It's like a thing. Even though old Germanic and Scandinavian cultures weren't themselves into incest, their gods and goddesses were just like so many other mythical creatures.
1: Um, well, so I, I think there's there's almost this kind of commentary of like hear me out here it's like the gods are these like immortal beings they're so powerful they can do shit like that that you can't do yeah so it's almost like they it's almost like it's part of it it's like they are doing everything that you can't do including Including fucking
0: their siblings
1: including fucking their siblings
0: which is a thing i suppose Um, so he lives in Alfheim, which uh, some people speculate might mean that he's the ruler of the elves, but I do have to say that that's not definitively written about in any actual sources from the time. So it's a cool...
1: Don't you love the sparse, just the absolute wasteland of source material for Norse mythology?
0: Oh, yeah. The the
1: one source, the one single source that we get.
0: Yeah. And and with that. I,
1: in my- I, wait, hold on. I just want to say no. one more thing. It really goes back to not, it's not the same thing as the Celtics who did everything by word of mouth and the Druids and all of that. But um, people who did use to write stuff on like bark and onion skins and all this shit that is just truly dust in the wind now. And it's yeah. so frustrating.
0: Paper was kind of dope when it came about y'all. yeah
1: paper paper's cool
0: but paper's I, I cool just idea. I brought that up because like you you'll see a lot and I think even in some like witchy circles like on reddit and stuff where people talk about Freyr as the king of the elves as if that's just like a fact and like sure if you start to work with him maybe that will be your experience but if anyone says to you that he's definitively like the king of the elves like that's fact raise a brow that's not that's not the truth um so so he's famously associated with some accessories so that's like a thing that we have to talk about with Freyr um so there's this story where Loki goes around to like the master craftsman dwarves right Broker and Sindri are two of them and he basically creates this like competition for them that ends up with like the creation of Mjolnir and a lot of other like massively powerful things it's like it's another loki side quest but he has this golden mechanical boar that was made by broker and Sindri. um the boar is said to from the Zeta have been able to run through air and water better than any horse and it could never become so dark with night or gloom of the murky regions that there should not be sufficient life where he went such was the glow from its mane and bristles. So basically, he was like an eternal light in the darkness, which is pretty cool. Uh, Freyr also commanded a ship, a, a ship, a ship. We've been recording for a long time. <laughs> he uh, commanded a ship forged by those same dwarves that could be folded up and carried in his pocket, which is soups convenient. Uh, and his last magical accessory was a sword that could fight on its own. The trouble is he loses the sword, which is why he's uh, captured during Ragnarok. So, womp womp. Again, we kind of touched on this already. Like a lot of Norse gods, there's not a lot of info on his origins. Because we don't have a lot of info on a lot of stuff about the Norse gods. Especially the ones that are like, quote unquote, lesser gods. Like not Odin. Um, So, the biggest story about him though... Is his marriage right? So one day Freyr visits Odin's throne room and he sits on the high seats of the high seat of the gods. The throne itself has a name that is a lot of consonants. I'm not gonna try. Um, but from this throne, you can see all of the realms of creation. And Freyr sees a woman walking into this like beautiful estate. And when she raised her hands to open the door, brightness gleamed from them. And, like, the light went over the sky and sea and the worlds were, and I quote, illumined of her. Mm. So, like, you know, after this, he falls into a depression because he had seen a fair woman and for his sake, he was so full of grief that he would not live long if he were not able to obtain her. Like, okay. That's
1: dramatic
0: aren't most of the gods. (laughs) I
1: mean, that's like giving like incel energy, truly.
0: Hondo P. Oh, and it gets better because Frere asks a servant named uh, Skirnir to woo the woman for him. So Skirnir, this servant, agrees as long as Frere hands over his fancy sword because turns out Gerder, the woman that he was uh, like totally bowed over by, is a giant so he has like skerner has to go into the land of the giants to woo this woman so i feel like it's a fair request to ask for that sword
1: yeah it's like just the magic sword it's like the other stuff would be cool but like at least the magic sword
0: it's like i'd like to not die trying to go like convince this woman to marry you um so frere does like hand over the sword which we know ends uh poorly but this story has a happy ending because eventually gerder the lovely giantess agrees to the marriage proposal um there's a lot of back and forth before this happens including some threats to her and eventually she agrees but her like stipulation is that Freyr has to wait nine days so again like nine comes up a lot in norse mythology too so um <laughs> magically if you want to work with him like you can obviously think about fertility magic in the Vegas sense like whatever that means to you he's also like really associated with ships though and like travel by water so like maybe a good guy to buddy up to if you're going on a cruise libations are a great offering other things that represent harvest also like he's good for wealth and prosperity magic A, like, big theme that I see, though, when I, like, read about, like, modern witches who work with, like, the Norse pantheon is that it's harder for a lot of people to connect to gods of the Vanir. So, like, you might need to put extra work into your rituals if that's something that calls to you. Uh, also time and time again you see people recommending to do your rituals to the veneer outdoors so that seems to be really important um but yeah him losing that sword kind of sucked but it does result in this like other fun side quest story where he kills a giant with nothing but an antler cuz he didn't have his sword so he's like still kind of a badass yeah he's he's still doing badass stuff yeah he's got that big dick energy literally like giant phallus energy like so but that's Frayer. I mean, I'm like, we talked about cats for a long time, which is important. So I wanted to keep Frayer kind of short. And conveniently, there's not a lot of source material.
1: So, Ay.
0: but again, I also cannot recommend enough, like Neil Gaiman's audiobook on like Norse mythology is so much fun. And like Neil Gaiman has the perfect like voice, like writing voice to do Norse myths in a way that is just so entertaining and fun.
1: Um, I've definitely listened to that uh, as like a serial like serialized a little bit uh, on my part as like a going to sleep Uh, It's so good It's like it was my going to sleep thing for like a hot minute
0: It's Uh, a good one
1: And it yeah because it's uh, available for free on YouTube
0: Yeah Um, okay Nick well before we get into the bitter end you want to do some asks
1: Oh, I would love to do some asks. So you guys, if y'all want to get in touch with us, we've made it very, very easy for you by having one name on really anywhere you could want to reach us. So on Instagram, it's at once and fronds pod. Easy peasy. Uh email once and at gmail.com. Um, we also, if you want to see our lovely smiling faces for the very, very reasonable price of five dollars, you could join our Patreon. Um, and we encourage you to do so because this podcast is not free to make at all. And, um, actually, you know, I've devoted quite a bit of my Sunday morning, uh, to this for like almost a hundred weeks in a row now. So
0: you're welcome. you also money, please.
1: But also money, please, because waking, <laughs> up, waking up on weekends is hard. And also I need coffee. Um, and I'm just gonna uh, get my little pumpkin spice latte back in the frame. Um, also not free, you know. And then, I'm gonna like is...
0: take a shower and go get a PSL after this. I'm
1: like, this is what this is what this is what keeps this shit going. Um, but all of that to say that we love y'all, like, subscribe, review. Um, this podcast is good, five stars. Download that shiz because that actually does help with our metrics and like stuff on our end. You know, it's like we get it, most people especially in the States, are just on a data network 100% of the time, and you could just go on Spotify and listen to Wands and Fronds, but, like, give us some downloads because that does help out, you know? Yeah,
0: it's, like, one extra step. Delete it once you've listened to it, but, like, downloading is actually the way that a lot of platforms, like, track your listens, so even if you listen to every episode, if you're just streaming it, there's a chance that your listens aren't being recorded
1: so so no it's like (laughs) we don't want to get too long-winded here but like just let's just say it's part of the downloads are part of the podcast biz so even that simple simple ad can help us out and i will say you know i take the train back home to visit family sometimes and there are plenty of places out you know kind of between between towns where your phone service isn't going to work and you're going to be happy you're going to be happy that you have a few episodes of your favorite podcasts. Okay. Um, you're going to be really happy about that. Trust me. So, um, we got a tarot scope though, because it's time to go. All right. It's mm, marathon recording session. We're here. And I actually, I, I did get the card out truly. Um, libra and that's so I just think, perfect i do think it's so funny because we're doing this double recording so like even though by the time people are listening to this it will not be like the second day of libra season right now it is like the second or like the third full day of libra season so um i did draw libra um our little our little balanced kitties and actually speaking of balance i drew for you guys the four of swords okay Oh little Dragon duck here. And basically the idea with this is that you guys need to take a break before piling more onto your plate. Um, I think sort of metaphorically, the idea here is that you do need to clean your plate before asking for seconds, even if you think you're gonna want more of the main dish. You know, it's like you gotta finish your your veggies and stuff too. And you might realize after that 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 you're actually full um but really it's also kind of this thing that you do actually need to rest between things like you know you might be ending a phase of your life you might be starting like a new job you might even be starting like a new relationship or something but like before you decide to take on the next thing and I feel like you know we've talked a little bit about like ADD and ADHD in this episode where it's like you can't just swing from project to project to project thing to thing to thing like it it actually is good to just take a step back sometimes and strategize and sort of think about things bef- before just moving on so 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 impulsively to just really like pilot because basically you don't want to you don't want to burn out you don't yeah. you don't wanna, you don't want to put so much on your plate that you're you're having trouble um, sort of stretching yourself out, okay? Pace
0: yourself, my loves.
1: It's like pace yourselves. That's a good way to put it. You got to pace yourself. um, And all of that to say, like, I really feel like that is in the theme of Libra where it's like you do have to find that balance. Like, I know when you've completed something and you have that sense of accomplishment, there is that kind of like rush to be like, what is the next thing? You know, but chill the fuck out. It's it's your yeah. season, you know. It's enjoy, enjoy Spooky Girl Fall.
0: Yeah, it's your season too. Don't let the Scorpios convince you it's not about you.
1: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and our second installment of the mini QWP, uh, leave the Libras alone. Just let them have this one. Let them God, have yeah. it
0: let them have well, it's it it's not gonna hurt you to let them have their fucking season
1: and it's like Samhain's coming up Scorpio season's coming up I get it I get it I get it but Libra season is here to stay my beloved cat baby Faye is a Libra and um she deserves the world and she deserves to have her season so she
0: does she truly does
1: so all of that to say, what what do we say to all of the the caddy bitches out there?
0: To all of those caddy caddy bitches, blessed be you caddy bitches,
1: blessed be you caddy bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. I also just like forewarn you that in literally a matter of moments, I am. Um, going to have a pumpkin spice an ice pumpkin spice latte handed to me
0: and oh i'm so jealous i might have to go get one after this because well
1: being roommates yeah. means trading the same eight dollars back and forth on venmo for coffee and beer